We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, January the 11th, 2020. On today's show, we're talking coaching staff. Hey, it's finally taking shape. OC, DC, strength and conditioning coach hired. Marcus Satterfield, Clayton White, and Luke Day all named their respective positions. I'll talk about each of the hirings, my full thoughts on it. We'll break it all down. Also, news and notes to get into some transfers, men's basketball, or Trey Smith, some things to go along with the strength conditioning stuff, scheduling notes, all that and more, plus your listener questions, voicemails. And we have a fantastic interview, guys. Former Gamecocks quarterback Chris Smelly. Yes, Chris Smelly joins the show. We talk about his career at South Carolina, how he got to South Carolina, transferring to Alabama, playing for Steve Spurrier. Everything to do with his career. A lot of great stuff, guys. We got a pack Monday. We got a pack Monday. Good show. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, they bring care and attention to their companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining structure and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service will separate Upstate Movers Group from the competition. By the way, they're not a trucking company. They are a moving services company. They're also employee-owned co-op, guys. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is just invested in the success of the project as you are. They dedicate professional crew members. They also offer black glove service, guys. They offer Indian packing services, custom creating and patching of special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni, guys. So a Gamecock owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for, guys. Whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, any moving needs you might have in 2021, be sure to check out my friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. And of course, their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That is upstatemoversgroup.com. Show is also brought to you by our friends over at MyBookie, guys. It's 2021. MyBookie, they've been in a giving mood, right? A $250 risk-free bet on Thanksgiving, boosted odds, free bets every year on Black Friday, and... They continue to give away bets on Cyber Monday, guys, for a sports book that is supposed to be in the business of making money. They were giving it away. That's why I've been one of the reasons why I've been rolling with my bookie this season, guys. The fact is this. If you're going to put some action on the games, whether you're betting NFL, NCAA, college football, college hoops, whatever your preference, you want to do it with a reputable brand like my bookie, guys. If you're going to make a deposit, do it with the promo code Gamecocks. That's promo code Gamecocks. They're going to match your bet halfway to give you a head start on building your bankroll, guys. So, for example, you put in $200, they're going to give you an extra $100 to play with. Joining a deposit is a simple process, and it's quick. 
But more importantly, when it's time to get paid, that is quick too. Treat yourself some extra cash in your pocket this holiday season by investing your intuition. Guys, it's not just winter season. It's winning season. So bet, win, and get paid with my bookie. Let's get it. Monday, 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 folks. How is it going? I'm Chris Willis. Here's the Spurs Up Show, as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know, it's funny. I, I was out and about on Sunday, hanging out with some people. A uh, little Sunday fun day, if you will. First time, probably for me, on a Sunday in probably over, God, it's probably been over a year since I had like a really Sunday where I really went out, had a good time, hung out with people, whatever. And you know, I just want to say thank you to you guys because I do realize every single day how lucky that I am that I get to do what I do. How lucky we all are, by the way, that we get to talk Gamecocks, get to follow the Gamecocks, we get to talk sports, get to talk, follow sports, everything else. Again, go, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. I, I do want to get to a couple announcements really quickly before we go on because we got a lot to talk about. Because you know, it's funny, the Friday podcast that I put out. And again, this is why we do the Daily Crow, by the way. This is why we do it, because with, with the funny thing is this. With sports, you never know when news will drop. You never know when things will be outdated. And Shane Beamer has been really bad about this, by the way. Shane Beamer, I, I want to say one thing to Coach Beamer. Coach Beamer, I love you, but why are you dropping news at like 10 p.m. every night? Like, can I have five minutes to hang out with myself? Like, I love it, but coach, come on now, help me out. Anyways, no, it's all good. Um, got a lot to get into, though. A lot of things. It's funny, though, because the podcast I dropped Friday, it basically was outdated when it dropped because of the news that happened late Thursday. So I want to address that. All the coordinator stuff going together. Obviously, today, we're going to have a lot more news coming out with the coaching staff stuff. But uh, <clears throat> a couple of housekeeping items really quickly. You guys have been asking where the stream's at. Tonight, they will resume Road to Glory with Luke Doty. We'll officially, officially kick it off with the Road to Glory tonight, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock, Road to Glory. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock as well. The reason we're doing Monday, Tuesday, there's one of two reasons. Number one, I want to move it up because 8 o'clock is way too late. 7 o'clock works. Well, I guess there's three reasons. Number one, want to move it up because 8 o'clock eight o'clock's too late. Number two, basketball game with Tennessee is postponed. So I want to make sure that we get it in, right? I want to make sure we get it in. And the reason I say that is because number three, I am going on vacation from Wednesday night until Monday. So there will be no Daily Crow at, that I know of Thursday and Friday. Now, I have not made a final decision. We might go live from the car on the road trip on Thursday. We might go live from the 
theme park on Friday because, yes, I'm going to Universal Studios, guys. I'm going with the family. going to be a really, really good time. I'm really excited. we got a really big time family vacation planned. Really excited. I'll still cover the basketball game, so we doing everything else, but I'm going on a little vacation, so might go live Friday from the theme parks. You never know, but letting you guys know kind of what the plan is. Things might be a little bit. Still going to have a podcast Thursday, Friday, all that good stuff, but I want to let you guys know sort of what the deal is, but yes, Sims tonight. Actually, I take it back. Not tonight. National title game tonight. Tuesday for sure, maybe Wednesday. I take it back. I apologize. I lied. I don't know. I don't I don't know what I'm thinking right now. So, again, Tuesday, excuse me, Tuesday for sure. Maybe today at an early earlier time. I have not decided. Maybe earlier today, maybe like five o'clock. I don't know. You guys just stay tuned. You got you know what I love about you guys? You guys are very flexible. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's go ahead and dive into the meat everything. That's what everyone wants to hear, right? Chris, what's your thought on the coaching staff? That's what everybody wants to talk about because of course. Of course, we don't have basketball because basketball can't, for whatever reason, stay healthy. So I want to talk about the coaching staff, right? And I think some of you, honestly, I think, and I don't know about a lot of you, but some of you might be disappointed because I think some of you might be tuning in to get a hot take, get a rant, get disappointment, get a certain type of energy that I don't know that you or I know for a fact that probably you're not going to get from me. Because listen, what has happened since we last chatted, at least for the podcast side of things, Marcus Satterfield named his offensive coordinator for Shane Beamer. Clayton White, defensive coordinator. This happened on Saturday. Luke Day hired his strength and conditioning coach. And you might be asking yourself if you somehow felt, you know, you're, you're living under a rock for the weekend. Chris, who are those people? Marcus Satterfield, coach under Matt Rule, Temple, Baylor, assistant offensive line coach for the Carolina Panthers, Clayton White, Western Kentucky, his last stop, Luke Day, Colorado, Marshall, was at Georgia for a bit. I feel like I can summarize all three of these hires in one take. So here we go. I'm going to try to do this, okay? Because there's two sides of me to this, right? I understand. Listen, and this, by the way, this is not being negative, okay? This is, I want to make that very clear. This is not being negative. This is calling a spade a spade, okay? There were a lot of Gamecock fans, the majority, basically all of them, that when Shane Beamer was hired, thought, we're going to get an all-star staff, quote-unquote. Now, here's the problem with saying that phrase that Shane Beamer said, which I love Shane Beamer. I'm on the Shane train, support Coach Beamer, but I'm playing devil's advocate a bit and just giving a point. When you say that, when you say all-star staff, All-star staff is, you know, subjected to everyone. Everyone has a different image of all-star staff in their mind, right? Some people think an SEC retread is an all-star staff. Some people think rolling the dice and taking a chance is an all-star staff. Some people, they don't think an all-star staff is possible. Some people do. 
I don't know. But I will say this, when it comes to Satterfield, White, Day, whatever, this coaching staff, especially with the Satterfield hire as OC, and I said this on social media Friday, but I want to reiterate, I will not knock a Gamecock fan for feeling a little underwhelmed. And again, this is not negative because I know a, a few of you on social media want to peg me as being negative. I want to make one thing clear. I, I, I challenge you. I challenge you to go look back at everything I've said about Shane Beamer, his hires. And, and again, I'm not trying to defend myself as like, I'm going to be 100% positive 100% of the time because I'm not. I'll be critical when it's called for. But have I said a truly negative thing about Marcus Satterfield, this coaching staff, Shane Beamer? No, I have not. I've said multiple times I'm going to give Shane Beamer the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. And I was the same way with Will Muschamp, by the way. I want to make that clear. I was very much the same way with Will Muschamp. But I will not blame a Gamecock fan for feeling underwhelmed about Satterfield. Hey, I won't even blame you for feeling underwhelmed about Clayton White or Luke Day or any for a second. But I challenge you as a Gamecock fan to this. Listen, I see a lot of this happening. Chris, who is Satterfield? Who is White? Who is Day? We need to get coaches that are known. Coaches that are known throughout the college football ranks. Guys, let me just say something, and if this offends you, so be it. Most fans can't name five coaches, five coordinators, five assistants in college football. Name me five right now. Five right now. You can't do it. So let me ask you this question. Would you rather have a Will Muschamp in there? who's hiring his friends, going through his Rolodex, saying, hey, which one of my buddies needs a job? Let me give it to him. Or or would you rather have a guy like Shane Beamer who says, you know what? I'm going to go out and get the best guys that I think are fit. It don't matter my relationships. It don't matter, you know, that, that I've worked with them before, whatever. But I'm going to go out and get the guys I think are the best fit for this job that I think are going to be an asset to me winning football games. Which one would you rather have? And, yes, I know that Shane Beamer was a GA with Saturday, but, like, dude, it's not like he has some crazy relationship with the guy, right? Look at Saturday. And, and listen, I, I understand how much of a how much of a risk a guy like Satterfield is. You know, I, I, I get it in the sense of, like, listen, I know he has a lot of good – he's a lot like Shane Beamer. Marcus Satterfield, to me, is a lot like Shane Beamer in the sense that, you know, in a little bit difference because, I mean, Satterfield's been an OC before, which is Shane Beamer's the head coach. But, you know, both guys, both guys are unproven. They've done it at this level for a while, but they're unproven. And, guys, I'll just tell you this about Marcus Satterfield. Let me tell you something real quick. Let me tell you a little bit of a fake, little secret. I'll tell you a secret, okay? Let me tell you a little bit of a secret. And I've talked to different people about that. I talked to my buddy at Georgia. I've talked to football people. Calling plays is not that hard. It's not. 
And I'm not trying to sit here and say that like everybody's Steve Spurrier. That's not what I'm saying. But calling plays is not that hard. Okay. Shane Beamer. The thing I look here's the thing. The thing I love about Shane Beamer is this. I genuinely believe for the first time in a long time, South Carolina has a football coach that gives a damn about this program. I mean, he truly gives a damn. He cares about this program. He's not going to hire a guy. And I said the same thing about Bobo when he had Bobo on. And I could tell you guys things about that. Hey, I'll tell you this because I think it's been since we talked. Hey, I think the Bobo going to Auburn thing was the best thing that could have happened to South Carolina. Hell, I've heard from sources that it was red tape. It was a prerequisite. He had to, he had to keep Bobo on. He had to. Didn't have a choice. You tell me, would you rather have the guy he was forced to keep on or somebody he picked within 24 hours after Mike Bobo leaving? I'll take the other guy. I'll take the Marcus Satterfield of the world. I will. I don't know about you. I will. But anyways, getting back to my point. Guys, calling plays is not rocket science, right? Hey, you know what we need more than anything? We need playmakers. We need playmakers. We need guys that can make plays. You know what makes a play caller's job really easy? An Alshon Jeffrey, a Bruce Ellington, a Nikki Jones, an A. Sanders, a Pharaoh Cooper, a Debo, a Brian Edwards, a, a Shy. Those guys make calling plays easy. A Kevin Harris, a Marcus Lattimore, a Marshawn Lloyd, a Mike Davis. We got to get guys like that. And then we can start to nitpick and say, oh, this guy sucks. Marcus Satterfield is not at this level by accident. For those saying, you know, I just, here's the mindset I don't get. Because I think a lot of you guys, and I would say this about Satterfield, and I, I want to talk about Clayton White too, because, and I'll go ahead and jump into that. I'll jump into that. Because, and then I'll make my point. Because, I think the OC thing will be a lot more debate in the DC. I think Clayton White is a fantastic hire. Now, you guys can listen to SEC Mike if you want to. And I and I got nothing respect for Bratton. Bratton's a cool dude, been on my show, been on his show, got all the good stuff. But he's a Tennessee guy. I mean, really, bro, y'all got more than enough shit to worry about in Knoxville other than our, our coaching stuff. And Bratton, if you're listening, hey, I respect you, brother. I respect you. I respect you. If I was a Tennessee fan, I'd be concerned too because Carolina's been kicking that ass for a few years. Hey, last decade's been ugly for Tennessee football. Last decade plus has been ugly. If I was a Tennessee fan, I'd be on edge too. I'd be talking shit about other schools too. You better hold on to it while you can because, hey, I'll tell you what, the 90s, the 90s of Tennessee football where Tennessee football was actually relevant and people wanted to go to the bum you-know-what to play, that shit is fading, my guy. That shit is very much fading. But, hey, I love Bratton. Love his show. Probably going to have him back on. But here's what I think happens in college football. You guys, names become the story, okay? Names are the story. Bottom line. And I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I look at it, and I think what happens is we get so caught up in these names and the Saban coaching tree, and, you know, this guy worked for that guy, worked for that guy, worked at this school, worked at that. Bro, listen, listen. 
And I'm not trying to say everyone is Nick Saban. I'm not doing it. But, dude, you're it's. I compare it to a hitter or a pitcher or an athlete being at the professional level. The worst hitter, the worst pitcher, the worst basketball player, the worst hockey player, the worst guy on the NFL roster, okay? All those guys. You might say they suck, quote-unquote, right? You might say they suck, okay? But, guys, in comparison, maybe they suck, right? Maybe in comparison they do, but they don't suck. You take the you take the, the, the last dude on the NBA roster, he'll go out to a pickup game right now and drop 50. You take the worst MLB hitter, he'll go out right now and hit 50 bombs in a Sandlot League. You take the worst MLB pitcher, he will no-hit everyone. Those 97. Guys, a guy like Marcus Satterfield, Clayton White, Luke Day, even a guy like Will Muschamp, who I have ripped. Granted, I don't think he's fit to be a head football coach, but he's not a complete idiot. He knows the game. These guys know the game, dude. Marcus Satterfield is not getting the OC job as a favor. Clayton White is not getting the DC job as a favor. Luke Day, the same. These guys know what they are doing. And if you believe and trust in Shane Beamer like I do, how can you question these hires? Are they the names we envisioned? No, they are not. Am I blaming a Gamecock fan for being a little a little bit let down, quote-unquote, in the sense of like, that star power, quote-unquote, that we heard Shane Beamer talking Sure, maybe a little bit. But guys, did you like the Beamer hire or did you not? And if you did and you trust in Shane Beamer and you trust that he wants the best for this program, you got to trust in the Satterfield and the Y hires, even though... They're not the quote-unquote most popular. They're not the, the brand names, if you will. You know who were the brand names? You know who they were? Mike Bobo, Lance Thompson, Travaris Robinson, Brian McClendon, Kurt Ru- Bro, we've, saw, we've seen that. We've seen that. We've seen that. We've been down that road. It's the same exact thing I said in the coaching search for the head coach. I'll say it right now for the coordinator. That, you know what, this is the perfect time to roll the dice. It really is. And listen, I I have no issues, none, with a Gamecock fan being critical, skeptical, making observations, and, and, and voicing those concerns. I have none. I have no concerns with that. But to be negative about these hires or to and again i i i'm i want to get this to a sec just a second by the way to be someone who says these hires suck because they're not known people you couldn't name five assistant coaches i mean you really couldn't most fans couldn't name five assistant coaches you couldn't name five other ocs in college football you couldn't do it you couldn't do it 
So who in the world are you going to tell me who we should hire as OCDC and strength and coaching coach? Name five other SNC coaches. You, you wanted a guy from Oregon because he had a mustache. You don't know anything about him. That's it. Like, call it for what it is. Most fans that are going to be upset about this, and most are not, by the way. Most fans are not. But I know some of you listening are. You want a guy who's a mustache. Who gives a shit? Who? I mean, you got fans, guys. You got fans commenting that, oh, his arms aren't big. He's not a great S&C coach. Bro, why do you? What? What? Hey, you work on the job of construction. Could you build a house by yourself? Are you are you shitting at your job too? Hey, guess what? You work on the site as an engineer. Can you build it all by yourself? Can you weld it all? Can you do it all? No. Like, it makes no sense. He can know the crap. Hey, there are swing coaches for golf, hitting coaches for baseball. Position coaches in football that maybe can't do it, but they can teach it. Just because the guy don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger don't make him a bad strength and conditioning coach. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm ranting about this, but like it's just like it's the wildest thing ever. It's wild. Now, am I saying that there's not there's not risk? With Satterfield, there's not risk with White. I'm, there's not risk with Day. I'm not saying that, but there's, there's risk with everybody. There's risk with everyone. There is. And hey, you know, I had fans at Chris. Did he call Garrett Riley? Did he call? I'm sure he called whoever. But again, are you a fan of Beamer? Do you like Beamer? Are you on the Shane train? You gotta roll with who Shane's rolling with. And I promise you, again. The, the, the beauty in it is this. There's two things, guys. Number one, you know what's great? Shane Beamer is not playing buddy ball. He's not. He's not. He is going out and hiring guys he feels are going to be the best possible asset to his football program, okay? And what I expect from Marcus Satterfield, if you, I'm sure a lot of you like, Chris, let's dive in X's and O's, but I'm more so ranting for the reactions I've seen on social media. Now, the X's and O's side of things, I think South Carolina will be very much spread, forward thinking, up-tempo. I think it's going to be a lot of Oklahoma. I think you're going to see South Carolina run the football a ton, for sure. I think they're going to run the football a ton. But I think Shane Beamer will have a big hand in the South Carolina offense. I think he will 100%. And, yeah. So, we'll see. But, I mean, we'll, and we'll see what happens with the, the offense. And then Clayton White, the 425, which is a welcome sight to Columbia. Ran under Stephen, uh, Steve Spurrier, excuse me. So, but the biggest thing is this you trust in Shane Beamer. You like Shane Beamer, Beamer Ball, Shane Storm, all with Shane Train. Hey, you're a big Beamer guy, right? You love Shane Beamer. You got to trust him because the great thing about Shane Beamer is this one of two things. Number one, he's not playing buddy ball, he's not hiring guys from his Rolodex like the previous regime. He's not just hiring guys to hire them because of, you know, previous relationships. And number two, you know what this is? Number two, Shane Beamer actually cares about the USC program and not 
dude, when's the last time we could say that? I, honestly, I, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. When's the last time we could actually say that? When do you think? And again, I, I know some of you smart ass. I don't even want to say it. Some of you smart asses will come back and say, oh, man, of course his dream job. He got paid all his money. I mean, of course it is. Oh, my God. You know, I'm sure I'm sure that'll fill it up. YouTube comments will go, you know, go off. Joe Blow 44 with the fuck with his freaking his is non-profile having no non-profile picture having self will, will leave some comment. Right, right below the guy that talks about all the ads and all that, you know, just right, right below that guy. But uh, you know, Shane Beamer's been here. He knows the culture. He knows the history. And you look at the videos, and you talk. You you, you look at everything he said, and uh, a guy that was literally shedding tears being on the field, and. Maybe he's got me, dude. Maybe he does. But I believe for a fact that Shane Beamer genuinely cares about this football program. I really, I really do. I, I just, I just really do. I, I do. For whatever reason, I do. I do. I think he cares about this football program. And I think for the first time in a while, we have a football coach that's not going to just make hires to employ buddies. And I don't think he just cares about getting a check like other coaches have done, a.k.a. Will Muschamp. I don't think he's worried about his freaking buyout. I think he actually wants to see this program do well. He wants to see this program win. And so he's not going to hire a guy like Marcus Satterfield or Clayton White or Luke Day or, or hey, or, uh, or, or, or uh, Byron Gerardo who might come back, Shaq Wilson, who might come back, Travell Wharton, who might come He's not going to put those guys in positions unless they're going to be assets to his program. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. What does he have to gain from doing that, from just, from just giving him a job? What does he have to gain? He's never been a head coach. What does he have to gain? Nothing. And again, I'm not saying don't be critical. I'm not saying don't criticize. I'm not saying don't be skeptical of guys you've never heard of. Be skeptical. Be critical. Hold these guys to the flame because they make enough money. They deserve it. Honestly, they, that's what fans miss. A guy like Shane Beer making 2.7, he deserves to be held to the flame. He doesn't help, doesn't come through, doesn't win enough games. But with that being said, if you trust in the guy, which we all do because we South Carolina hired him, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt first. You do. I think you I think you do. I gave Muschamp that. Believe it or not, I did. I think Satterfield is a good young offensive mind. He's a lot like Beamer, unproven, hadn't been at big schools. He's a mystery. Clayton White, Broyles Award finalist, or Broyles Award nominee, excuse me, Michael Bratton's going to go crazy in the mentions because I said finalist, which SEC, Mike, handle your own shit in Knoxville. Who's your head coach? Who's your program? What you got going on? I'd love to have you back on the show. I don't comment on your shit show of a program. Like, don't comment on ours. You know? 
Jesus Christ. SEC Mike, I love you, but geez, come on, be better. Be better, do better, think better, act better. Anyways, Satterfield, I think a good hire unproven. Clayton White, Boyle's Award nominee. Really good job at Western Kentucky. Why is he a bad hire? Can you tell me? Can you tell me? And then Luke Day, heard really good things about the kid. Heard really good things about the guy. Strength conditioning coach. Heard good things. Guys, I, I think South Carolina's fine. And again, could these turn out? Could Shane Beamer, Satterfield, White, Day, could they turn out a terrible hire? Sure. Hey, but you know what else? We thought Will Muschamp. Maybe we didn't think it was a great hire, but we thought his staff was all-star. We did. We did. For a fact, we did. A lot of you did. You can look yourself. A lot of you did. You thought you thought champ staff was all-star, bro. You never know. You just never know. Bottom line, you never know. You just never know. So, overall, I mean, again, a lot that we had to catch up on because of it happened late Thursday. You know, I'm talking to you guys right now Sunday. 11-11, make a wish. I'm talking to you guys late on Sunday. But overall, I'm very much in wait-and-see mode, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you guys that these are just like they're A++++ hires and you have no worries. I'm not saying that. But the guys know football. You got to li – listen, what's – and again, we, we can go on a whole other show about this. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. But – the first step for Gamecock football is this. This fall in 2021, do we see a well-coached football team, offensively, defensively, special teams, discipline, effort, everything? Do we see a well-coached team? Once we see that, we got to go get some ball players. And I think that's more of South Carolina's problem than anything. I'm not saying they didn't need to change coaches because they obviously did. But... I think South Carolina's getting quality coaches in here. Now you got to go get some ball players. So Satterfield, White, Day. I'm fine with them. I'm fine with all three of them. And then the rumors of Jarrado and Shaq Wilson, that would be fantastic. The more Gamecocks, the merrier. But the point, I guess, you know, because again, I, I, you know, and maybe we'll do it this week. We'll dive into Satterfield and White and their schemes and all they do, but. I've seen all through the weekend, of course, a lot of reaction to it. And I want to give my insight in the sense of guys like, do you think Shane Beamer's just going to hire guys that are complete idiots? Because the funny thing is this, Mike Bobo was hated. He got the job. He was still hated. He left. A lot of fans were like, oh, my God, Mike, Mike Bobo. Uh, then Satterfield gets, oh, we need a proven guy that – that's what Bobo was. Like, guys, I'm convinced fans just hate all coaches. I'm convinced they hate all coaches. So I challenge the listener right now. Again, I'm not saying don't be critical. Don't be skeptical. Don't observe these people and pick them apart. They make enough money to take all of that criticism. They deserve it, honestly. They're on that platform. They, they make so much money. 
They should be criticized at a high level, but at least give them the benefit of the doubts. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. I think Shane Beamer, I know Shane Beamer would not hire these dudes if he didn't think they'd be an asset to his football program. So I could ran all night. Let's go. Let's move into news and notes. Look quickly at your listener questions, voicemails, and of course, our interview. Uh, got a lot of news and notes, by the way. Some transfer news, Keir Thomas, Jamie Robinson, both transferring to Florida State, which, you know, I, I, I saw some fans that, uh, you know, that thought maybe, that thought maybe they'd come or Jamie would come back. No, both are going to FSU. Bottom line, wish them best of luck. Hope they both play well. You know, kind of happens when you have a coaching staff uh, change, you know, when you have the type of stuff that South Carolina's had. But, you know, it is what it is. Wish them best of luck. Uh, men's basketball postpones. Of course, you guys saw no no game happen on Saturday. No, no watch party, unfortunately. No game tomorrow night. So, hopefully, next game will be Saturday at 8.30 against the LSU Tigers. Next watch party if possible, won't be until either went, uh, Tuesday or Saturday of next week. So I'll let you guys know. Uh, another quick thing. Sports Talk SC putting it out. We posted Ortray Smith, which I, you know, I talked to a, a current Gamecock player probably a month ago. He expected this to happen, but Ortray Smith should be back for the Gamecocks in 2021. Now, what do I expect from Ortray? You know, I think a lot of fans are stuck on his freshman year. Guys, the guy hadn't been healthy in two years. If he really, if he ever seriously contributed again, I'd be shocked. I, I, and again, I hope I'm wrong. I really, because I think the guy has talent. He's obviously a really big body dude. And maybe with a change of staff and a change in practice habits and rehabilitation, like maybe he gets healthy. But to this point in his career, the guy's made of glass. I don't know what to think. I think he has talent, but he can't stay on the field. And part of being a really good athlete is staying on the field. So will he be able to do so? I don't know. But it sounds like Ortre Smith is coming back. Another quick thing with the strength and conditioning stuff. Luke Day hired his S&C. Byron Gerardo and Shaq Wilson. Are they coming back to Columbia? coming from Tennessee, which I think would be a phenomenal hire by Shane. I mean, literally, because listen, the, the strength and conditioning staff and coaches spend more time with the players than probably the head coach or any other position coach do. So to bring those guys back would be incredible to me. Those guys were at USC when it was at the peak. They know this program. They know what it takes. They know what this program looks like, just like Coach Beamer does, even more so when it's at its peak. So to bring both those guys back, those guys, those freaking guys, huh? bring both them back, be legendary. And, of course, last thing really quickly, announced, I believe, what, late Friday, maybe Saturday, uh, 2025, Chick-fil-A kickoff game in Atlanta, South Carolina, Virginia Tech. What a game that should be. What a game that should be. Looking forward to it. The Beamer Bowl. 
All right, let's move. We got a couple of voicemails, questions, then we'll get to this interview. Let's go. Two things. One, Will Friends is in the heart of the Tennessee investigation. Him leaving is probably one of the best things for us. Second, everybody hated Bobo. So we go out and get an offensive coordinator that has turned around some offenses most everywhere he has been when he was OC. Get the guy a chance. We're going to be using Oklahoma's playbook more than likely. And you can bet Shane Beamer will have his hands in this offense as well. Thank you. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. And I took his call on Friday, but I, I figured I'd, I'd play the voicemail as well. Um, yeah, Will Friend leaving. Obviously, he's in the middle of that, that Tennessee investigation. I'm, I'm not sad he's gone. Um, not at all, especially with that stuff. And then the the hiring of, again, Satterfield. I, I'm more than happy with it. And uh, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, Beamer's going to have a big play in this offense. And I think we're going to be running a lot of what Oklahoma ran. And here's the thing. When, when, when we say that, when people say that, Again, it's just like my buddy Tyler McComas, when he came on, said, you know, people think air raid, air raid, throw it 70 times a game. No, we're going to run the football a lot. We're going to run the football to set up the pass. We are. And we're going to pass to set up the run. We are. The run will be a major. Look at Oklahoma. They run the football. We're going to run it. But I think you're going to see a lot more creativity, a lot more use of a mobile quarterback. I think you will see those things. But I certainly think Shane Beamer will have a hand in it for sure. Hey, Chris, it's Corey again. And my question is, if Shane Beamer... Um, man, I forgot my question. All right, well, don't air this one. This one's a waste of time, but... I love the show. Um, man, I forgot my question, but I love the show. But um, sorry about that. If I remember it, I will call again. Sorry about that. Go Cops. Corey, you forgot your question. I had to air it anyways. Thank you so much for the love. <laughs> Corey, it happens to the best of us, man. Thank you. So here, last voicemail. We're getting your questions. All right, not sure what happened in the, the, the beginning of the voicemail, but who's going to be our main quarterback this year? Great question. I think it'll be Luke Doty. Um, I'm hearing rumors that, uh, you know, I don't want you guys to freak out here, but I am I am hearing rumors that uh, Ryan Holinsky might come back, honestly. But, you know, I, I just think that – with the direction the offense, I, I believe that Beamer and Satterfield wanted to go. I think it will be an up-tempo, spread, modern offense. And with that being said, the quarterback the best fits that description, I think it will be Luke Doty. I, I, I just I, I think that will be the main core. And again, I will say this, though. I say that and also say this. It would not shock me at all to see Shane Beamer go out and get a quarterback in the transfer portal. It, re it really wouldn't. It really wouldn't. Go out to the portal, get a quarterback, push Doty, 
never know, might take the job. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm guessing. Because, again, what last year showed you with the whole Colin Hill, that whole thing, that whole fiasco, is that you never know what might happen. But as of right now, to the caller, as of right now, I'd say Luke Doty is your main quarterback as of right now. So, all right. Let's move to these actual questions, and then we will uh, we'll kick it off to the interview and wrap this thing up. Uh, Gamecocks today. Let's start with this one. Really interesting question. Gamecocks today says, top Gamecock pages on social media other than yourself. And Gamecocks today, first things first. I, I, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the, uh, I mean, even the way you phrase the question. Thank, thank you for, for saying that, you know, that, that you, uh, I'm, I'm flattered that you would say other than yourself. I think there's a lot, of, you know, obviously Gamecocks today does a good job. Um, there's a lot of great pages, a lot of great Gamecock pages, a lot of great pages that post social media, uh, post Gamecock content, I should say, on social media. And I would say to you guys, support them all. Support them all because you know what? <clears throat> we can't get enough Gamecock content. We really can't. We really can't. So, um, there's a lot of pages out there that post great graphics. They post great videos. They post great content. They, they, they post great pictures. They post great captions. Hey, there's enough room. There's enough room for everybody to win. There is. There's enough room for everybody to win. And so, if you're listening, and again, Gamecocks today is one of the few, you know, one of the many examples. Um you know, I, I would chat, you know, the Gamecocks insider guy that works with me directly. He's a great example. Gamecock update is a great, uh, great job. There's many, there's many pages out there. Um, you know, follow them all, support all the Gamecock content, seriously, support them all. So, Hey, there's, there's enough room for everybody to win. Absolutely. So Gamecocks today. Thank you so much for answering the question or sending the question. I should say, um, let's see. V Ryan Macri, assuming Clayton White runs the four two five, he ran at WKU early prediction on starting back five, the five DBs, Cam Smith, um, Jalen Dickerson. I think RJ Roderick comes back. Uh, let's see. Joey Hunter and Marcellus dial my five right now. KJ dot Sweeney plus two. How do you feel about the new hires? Do you think our culture will be better? Yes. Culture? No doubt. No doubt. Crusty Andy, what hire are you most psyched about? What hire are you most skeptical of? Great question. Most psyched about? It's tough because I, I know which one I want to say, but that's so biased because I want to say Eric Kimry. But, you know, he, 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 it, I, I'm friends with Eric. You know what I mean? Most psyched about Clayton White. Most skeptical about. No, probably most psyched about Justin Steff at wide receivers coach. Skeptical about Marcus Satterfield. And I, I, I like the hire, but there's so much pressure that comes to that OC position. So, yeah. Maddie last five two three. You're excited that Beamer isn't just going for the same names we always hear for coordinators. I am excited. Yes, Parker underscore Beaks twelve. How many wins for USC next year? Six, six and six. 
Gamecock.nation.news. Grade the DC higher one through ten. I'll go seven and a half, maybe eight. Seven and a half or eight. I think it's a good hire, really. Um, last question. Charlie Allen score 10. Why didn't we go after Steve Sarkeesian? We might have. We didn't get him, but we might have. You know, I'm, I'm not mad we didn't. Um, listen, we got the guy that, that was the best fit for Carolina. We did. I, re- I really, genuinely, truly believe that. Whether he, he wins, loses, indifferent, South Carolina got the best possible fit in Shane Deemer. I, I, I genuinely, truly believe that. I really do. So, I'm happy with it. So, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning here on a Monday. Got a fantastic interview, guys. Former Gamecocks quarterback, Chris Smelly. What a legend he is. What a conversation we had, Chris. Taking the time to join the show, talk about his career. What what a career it was with, with Steve Spurrier and Garcia and dealing with that in and out, Blake Mitchell, all that good stuff. Guys, again, thank you so much for tuning in here on a Monday. And it's going to be a packed week yet again. It's going to be a packed week yet again. But again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you're all doing well, whether you're, again, at the office, on the commute, you got the day off, whatever it is. Thank you so much, as always, for your love, support, taking the time to support the show. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks quarterback, Chris Smelly. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2006 to 2008. During his career quarterback, he started 15 games with the Gamecocks, threw for 3,210 yards and 23 touchdowns. He's still top 10 in completions, attempts, completion percentage, and passing touchdowns for South Carolina. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks quarterback, Chris Smelly. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Absolutely, man. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So let's go back, Chris, to the beginning for you, because, again, you're from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where a standout uh, baseball and football player. You chose football over baseball and signed your letter of intent with the University of South Carolina. Just talk about the recruiting process for you, again, being right there in Tuscaloosa. You know, Alabama's in your backyard, but you choose to go to South Carolina. And again, you could have played either sport in college. Um, I'd love to hear why did you choose football over baseball and then eventually why did you choose the Gamecocks is your destination to go to school. Yeah, man. Um, now my whole life, I was kind of more of a baseball first kind of guy. Uh, and I was a catcher. Um, and then, uh, I, I guess, I guess maybe my junior year of high school probably is when that started to flip a little bit. Um, you know, being in Tuscaloosa and, you know, with the university of Alabama and being around the sec football, um, I, I think it was just kind of the allure and the draw of playing sec football that, that kind of, kind of took the uh took the cake at the end and uh and kind of led me to wanting to play um football over over baseball um and so you know recruiting wise you know it's definitely a lot different now than it, than what it used to be back uh back 12 years ago or whatever it was um but you know I, I started to kind of to kind of get some recruiting interest from colleges uh probably I'd say the, the June my summer going into my junior year um and and had some some different offers and all that kind of stuff uh then was able to take some visits and um i I tell you the the visit that i had to uh to columbia was really cool um i I really connected with a lot of the guys that were also up there visiting uh even some of the former players i mean some of the players that were already there on campus um and just felt super comfortable there um 
you know, it was Coach Spurrier's first year uh, back uh, in college ball. And, um, and, and so that, that was definitely a, a big draw for me, too. Um, it, you know, it was cool when, when he came and visited our school and, and visited Tuscaloosa and came down here uh, was, was a big draw. But, um, you know, yeah, I always, I always thought and I always kind of wanted to play uh, for Alabama. You know, it's kind of my home, my home school and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sort of there uh, getting towards the end, uh, kind of, you know, commitment time and all that. Um, Alabama was, was, was still, was flirting real hard with Tim Tebow. And, uh, and so they were kind of holding off on any other quarterbacks. And so, um, I actually had some schools like Louisville and a, and a few other schools that said, uh, that kind of called me and said, you know, we've taken two quarterbacks now. Uh, so, you know, we can't really honor, honor our, uh, offer to you. Um, and then about that time was when South Carolina really started recruiting me real hard. And, um, and I felt super comfortable there. And, uh, and so that, that kind of led me to, uh, to, to go into Columbia. We got to talk about the head ball coach, obviously. Um, you being a quarterback, your relationship with him, again, I'm sure that was a big factor in your decision uh, to go play for South Carolina. Because, again, it's interesting when you got there, you know, Spurrier was really just starting to build, um, you know, what we saw eventually culminate in 2010, 11, 12, 13, all that good stuff. But, uh, I mean, a legend, the quarterback whisperer. We all know how tough he is to play for. And I've obviously, like I was telling you off here, I've had – some other former quarterbacks on the show, and they've definitely shared their experiences. But uh, just talk about those first interactions with him and what, what that was like, I guess, building that relationship with Coach Spurrier. Yeah, you know, he, he's a unique character. And, um, <laughs> but definitely uh, early on, I mean, it was like a, it was an honor to be, to have Coach Spurrier, you know, calling me and, and, and recruiting me and all that. I mean, you know, he's a, you know, might be a top five all-time college coach kind of guy, and especially the impact that he really made on the on college football, specifically in the SEC. Uh, so that was that was definitely an honor, um, and uh, it, it was funny. Like when I was up visiting uh, on my official visit and kind of talking with Blake Mitchell and some of the other quarterbacks there, and like anytime like they start talking about Coach Berger, they just sort of start laughing almost, like kind of <laughs> kind of just had this funny look on their face. Uh, I can remember Blake being like, yeah, Coach Spurrier, he's a trip, man. And uh, and he, he's just – he's he really is a unique guy. Um, you know, he's all about football. Uh, he's all about football. I can remember times we'd, like, go over on Thanksgiving lunch at his house uh, with all the quarterbacks, and, you know, we'd all just sort of <laughs> be staring at the uh, at the whatever NFL game was on TV or whatever, and and, uh, and he'd always be commenting on, on different things. Um but uh, but no doubt he he's a he's a legendary coach and um, and like looking back you know there there were some good times and there were kind of some times that that you know at the time felt felt bad or whatever um, but man I I really look back at it as a as a unique time for me um, and, and 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 really an, an awesome time um, and, and look back at all the, the good memories that I had there uh, in Columbia playing for Coach Spurrier and I felt like it really kind of set me up for for what I'm doing today so. Now, Chris, I want to get your take in. You get on campus fall of 2006, and, I mean, you played in the first two games. Um, I, I know, again, your mindset's not going to you, – you, you weren't coming in saying, oh, you know, Blake's a starter or whatever. You're coming in fighting for the starting job. But especially with Coach Spurrier, a guy who is willing to change quarterbacks like, like that. I mean, he's willing to change quarterbacks. You throw a bad pass, he'll put another guy in there. You play in the first two games of the season. J- just talk about – the quarterback competition, I mean, from the second you stepped on campus and then you suffered a heel injury during a practice, you got the medical red shirt, but your freshman season, uh, you know, cut early, obviously due to that injury, but just kind of talk about that freshman year a little bit. Cause I mean, again, 
you played in those first two games. I mean, listen, your first SEC game, or I guess the first SEC game was the first game of the year, that game at Mississippi State, which is a real back-and-forth type of game. But you got in the game against Georgia as well. You went 7 for 11 for 64 yards. I mean, had a pretty solid day in that, in that one, really tough game there as well. But just talk about that freshman year, and then again, the injury having overcome that adversity. Yeah, you know, that um, – wow, that, that was really – the most crazy experience, um, you know, because the, the school I grew up uh, playing in my high school was was a smaller school. We were a 1A school, really the, the smallest uh, classification in uh, in Alabama at the time. And so obviously the, the step up to SEC football was huge. Um, and to get thrown in there after I'd only, only been on campus for, you know, two and a half months, something like that, you know, starting in the summer. Um, and I, I Blake, Blake got hurt. Blake was the starting quarterback in Mississippi State. And he got hurt, kind of got a cut on his leg or something. I had to get in for a few drives. Um, but even kind of to be the backup quarterback at that time was pretty surreal. Um, I mean, it was a that, – that first game, I, I kind of always described it like I felt like I was watching myself playing in a video game or something. I mean, it was like it – was, it was kind of an almost an out-of-body experience. Uh, that very first drive that I, that I got in versus Mississippi State um, – and, and then, uh, you know, played a little bit versus uh, versus Georgia uh, and then had to redshirt, uh, which I think was a, was really a blessing. I mean, I <clears throat> I, I kind of needed to spend more time, you know, kind of processing the game um, at, at that time. And, um, you know, I, I think it can be really hard for guys to kind of get thrown in there early sometimes. Um, and so I, I, that was definitely a, a blessing, I think, for me. But. Uh, wow. Yeah, that was that that was pretty wild. My family always tells the story like how they were just freaking out up in the stands when uh, it was like second drive of the game. And, you know, I've graduated high school about two months before that. And there there I go in there. So it's crazy, Chris. I want to ask you about this, because, again, I know this is, you know, in college athletics. Listen, you're always fighting for your starting spot. Right. There's, there's always somebody working to take your job. And with each recruiting class, they're literally recruiting your replacement. That's the whole point. But when you look at your career, and again, you started a lot of games for South Carolina. You played a lot of good football, but it's funny. I feel like you were always, and not just you, you, Blake, Steven, you guys were always fighting for literally like your the next drive. That, that's what it seemed like to me. Like it seemed like yeah. a constant carousel because I look and I'm like looking at the 07 season and the 08. And like it's funny from those seasons, you would think like I remember a lot of this one guy playing, but it's like those seasons, I'm like, I remember a lot of Chris Smelly playing. I remember a lot of Blake Mitchell playing. I remember like, how did it feel from your end? Because, I mean, again, I, I'm going to dive into later, like, 2008 Arkansas is the one that just screamed yeah. at me. But, like, how did it feel? I mean, is that tough? On, and I know that's something you just – you sign up for that when you play for Coach Spurrier. But, like, how tough is that on you mentally? Like, it, it's – I feel like it'd be kind of hard to get in a groove because you're like, man, if I throw a pick, I'm, I'm going to get pulled. Like, there's no question. So, like, how does that affect your mindset and your game? Yeah, I mean, you definitely would feel like that. Um, and, and yeah, that, that I kind of had that going with Blake some, where we would sort of be back and forth, uh, I guess, 07. Um, and, and then with Steven, too, moving forward. And, um, and yeah, I, I think it definitely does kind of hurt your mentality a little bit. Sometimes it makes you sort of try to force things, make plays happen, all that kind of stuff, versus just sort of letting the game come to you. Um, but, but like you said, I mean, that, that was kind of a uh, – a Spurrier thing that he did um and it was kind of a you know it, it wasn't out of the ordinary it didn't seem weird uh you know outside people looking in um but us quarterbacks you know we'd be in you know we'd be talking at practice or we'd be you know this or that and and it was definitely uh conversations that we had 
about, you know, golly, I, you know, you know, this, this one play or, or whatever. Um, it, it was definitely something we talked about, um, you know, how being kind of weird and golly, I wish we, I just wish we, one of us would get to play the whole game or feel like you're going to go into a game and play the whole game. Um, so it was there and I, and I don't know how much it positively or negatively uh, affected uh, each of us, but it was, it was definitely something that was kind of there in your brain that you would, you'd think about. Now, let's move to some positive memories on the field, Chris, because, again, you played a lot of good football for South Carolina. I want to move specifically that 07 season. Again, you're back from the injury. You started playing a lot more, and you had great games in back-to-back weeks. Uh, I think of Mississippi State. You threw for 279 yards, two touchdowns. I think Kenny McKinley had a big day that day. You guys win that game. And then Kentucky, uh, the night game. Kentucky's highly ranked. They've got Andre Woodson on their side. They're feeling real good. You go 17 to 30, 256, two touchdowns. Corey Boyd had a big night that night. We all remember it was the rain game, um, a packed house at Willie B, electric atmosphere. Eric Norwood night, that's really what that was, the Eric Norwood game. Just, just talk about that. I, I know those are two games that probably really stick out to you in regards to your memories at South Carolina. Oh, no doubt. Um, <clears throat> that Mississippi State game, uh, I, I kind of always ended up playing my best games against Mississippi schools, it seemed like. Um, <laughs> but that Mississippi State game was my first SEC start. It was also my birthday. Um, and so that was, uh, that was a special night. And, and, um, I, I got a game ball after that game and I uh, got it here in my office, uh, sitting in here too. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was cool. And, um, man, Kenny McKinley, that you just gave me chills when you said that name. Um, and I can, golly, so many good memories of Kenny and that big smile and, um, man, what a, what an awesome Rest dude. Rest in peace yeah. for sure. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, um, but yeah, he had a, he had a big game, but, um, yeah, I, I felt like that was, Man, to start that 07 season, um, there were some crazy things that happened. Um, I think I started the first game and maybe didn't. I can't exactly remember how that thing started, but then we had those two big wins uh, back-to-back versus Mississippi State and then that big night game versus Kentucky, uh, and they were highly ranked. And, dang, you know, I think we were ranked in the top ten after that. Mm. And and then it was just like the quick fall uh, where I don't don't even know if we won another game the rest of the season – Mm-hmm. Um, but, but those two, uh, those two games, uh, definitely looking back were, were some high points and, um, and some good times, but, you know, kind of in, in normal fashion, I, I think I, I played well in those two games. Uh, and then maybe the very next game, uh, you know, didn't play as well. And, and next thing I know, I, I was right. kind of pulled out of there. So, uh, kind of went back to the, to the previous, uh, discussion too. So. Yeah, I definitely wanted to ask you about that 07 season. You know, you bring that up again. You, you played the next week at UNC. Played pretty well through three touchdowns. Uh, again, mentioned Kenny McKinley. Had a big game that game. You guys offensively had a great day, especially in the first half. And then yeah. the second half of that UNC game on that season. Um, yeah. What, what happened? I'll just say, like, what do you think happened? I know you guys, obviously, you played some really tough teams down the stretch, too. Let's call that for what it is. Yeah. But, like, 6-1, and one, ranked 6 in the country. Do you think you guys were maybe – a little overrated, like, because I've asked some other guys that, and they think they they say that one of two things happened. They think maybe we weren't really the sixth best team in the country, and maybe we got a little full of ourselves. Like, what what, what would you say happened down the stretch? Um, I would lean more on uh, we might not have been the sixth best team in the country as opposed to being full of ourselves. Um, and so that's right. So the North Carolina game was the next game, and man, we lit it up in the first half. And uh, and I've had people ask me about that game too. Um, and, and I can specifically remember the halftime of that game. Uh, I can remember being a very weird halftime. There were, there were, there were guys, uh, the coaching staff was kind of like, was being real finicky about stuff and kind of like 
chewing everybody out. Uh, and I can remember, I'm not going to name, I can remember a certain player who was one of the best players on the team, like crying in the locker room uh, over it, getting really emotional. Right. Um, <clears throat> just being really upset. And, uh, and you're right, man, like coming out, we, we got real conservative. I think we like, ran the ball like every play in the second half almost, like threw the ball like two or three times. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we, we, that, that, that sort of started a, a weird thing. Now, again, like you said, it was, we played, we played some better teams towards the, towards the end of the year out there. Um, but, uh, but that, that was a weird halftime, not that that contributed to us all, you know, everything that happened after that. Um, but I can specifically remember that being a weird halftime, uh, environment. And then we came out and played bad in the second half and, and just never really righted the ship moving forward. Now, let's move in that 2008 season, Chris, because that one was really interesting. And I, again, I got the opportunity a couple of months ago to talk to your former teammate, Taylor Rank, which Taylor, awesome dude, awesome guy, awesome conversation. Yeah. And his roommate was Tommy Beecher. And so obviously the 08, going into 08, that was the Tommy Beecher won the starting job in the offseason yeah. and started the NC State game. Needless to say, it did not necessarily go as planned. Um, we all know yeah. what happened. You come in five for five, two touchdowns, light it up. I remember you hit Dion LaCorn, that beautiful post route. I felt like one of the best balls, most memorable balls I feel like you ever threw. I don't know. It just stands out for some reason. But uh, you come in, light it up, whatever. Talk about the battle in the preseason. Tommy gets named the starter. And, again, I know, like, from Gamecock fans' perspective, like, Tommy Beecher just wasn't a name you heard a lot. Um, yeah. But I, I heard he, you know, from what Taylor was saying, like he threw a beautiful ball, was a really smart guy, obviously. I mean, yeah. really, really smart guy. I guess just talk about that battle. Because, again, I kind of laugh because I, I have to think from your perspective, you're like, man, like I'm going into another fall camp fighting for the job again. And, and like, so you're going through that yet again. Tommy wins the job. And then you go in that NC State game and the emotions of that. And then you come in and do what you did. Like, what, what, just what was that like? Walk me through, like, that preseason camp and then going in that first game. And I guess you, you know, you played so well that first game, you win the job back. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Tommy got hurt in that game. But me and Tommy were really good friends. Uh, we weren't roommates. Um, he, was, he was a year older than me. Uh, but, man, I, I hung out, out at his house all the time. And, and really all of us quarterbacks were, you know, even, like, in the times of being back and forth and all that kind of stuff, man, we, we, were, we were all really tight. Um, but, uh, but man, I tell you what, in that, in that fall camp, uh, and Tommy was, he was a really good player. Um, he was, he was smart. He was athletic. Uh, he's, he's definitely more athletic than I was. Um, and man, he lit it up. Like I'm like all through, like he had, he had a good summer or whatever, but getting into fall camp, like it was like every day at practice, man, he was spot on. Like he was perfect. Like, like no doubt he earned the, the, that job and earned the right to start in that game. Um, and then, like, going into that game, man, I, I can vividly remember, like, us sitting in the quarterback room and us, you know, kind of going over our final game plan for that NC State game. And we thought we were about to throw for 400 yards. I thought Tommy was going to light it up. Right. Um, and we were, we were all, like, on fire and jacked up. And then, obviously, things didn't turn out well for him in that game. He ended up getting hurt. Um, and so, uh, but, yeah, I mean, he he just went out and and worked his tail off and earned it and, and practiced almost perfect, man. Like, I can remember, like – I'm sitting here like, you know, making mistakes or doing whatever in practice. And every time Tommy got in there I and mean, he was just lighting it up. And so, you know, that, that's kind of a thing where he, he hundred percent earned that spot. Yeah. it's funny. I, I went back and watched that game a little bit after I talked to Taylor, you talk about the injury. I think people forget, dude, he got lit up. I mean, he got, he got his bell like rung. Anchor. It was, he was throwing like a hell, 
I can't remember exactly what happened, or maybe he was he took off running one time. He took off running, yeah, and he, he like running. ducked his head. Yeah, he got. Yeah. He was seeing stars. I, I I went back and watched that, and I was like, wow, I forgot that he got like really lit up on that play. So, yeah, yeah. crazy. But um, I, I want to move into again. You guys lost the game, but this game just sticks out to me for some reason. That game at home against Georgia, um, you went 23 of 39 through a touchdown. Again, we really tough game. Georgia, I think they were ranked number one in the country. Um, yeah. and you guys took them to the wire. And you know, when I had Mike, Mike Davis on the show, we we kind of we can yeah, we can all laugh about it now, just the uh the fumble and everything, and just the way that game turned out. But man, talk about that one. I mean, electric atmosphere at Willie B. You throw that touchdown to Mo Brown. I know early you guys are feeling good again. Number one team in the country, man. I mean, not a lot of – you know, not every quarterback can say they got a, a chance to start and play against the number one team in the nation, and, and you lit them up for the most part. I mean, just just talk about that day overall. Yeah, you know, that was a game we lost, but I, I kind of looking back, man, that was a special game for me. Uh, one was throwing the touchdown to Mo. Me and Mo were really close, really tight, um, and, and it's really cool to see Mo doing great things now um, in politics and all this. Oh, I, oh, I love yeah. Mo. Um. But, yeah, that game, golly, I mean, they had Matthew Stafford, no Sean Marino, A.J. Green. I mean, they were just loaded up with talent. And uh, and we really took them to the wire there. And, yeah, the the, the fourth down – or the, it was first down and goal from, like, the three-yard line. We're about to score and tied up late in the fourth quarter. And, and Mike fumbled, uh, I think, trying to just reach for a touchdown. Can't remember exactly remember how it happened. Um, but I'll never forget the response. The guy that picked it up for Georgia, like they like interviewed him after the game. And he said, he said, you know, picking up that fumble was like finding a diamond encrusted beach ball on the, on the ground or something. He's like the most random response I'd ever heard. Uh, but it really was, man. Cause it's like, it was like, uh, it was, a, it was an awesome atmosphere. The crowd was electric. Um, and then we, we, you know, even on our very last drive, uh, we sort of drove down there deep and had a shot. And I think I overthrew Jared Cook by about a foot. Uh, to give us a chance there towards the end uh, to be able to uh, to be able to win that game, um, but yeah, man, that was that was that very close to being a uh, a huge win for the program, um, you know, and, uh, and and kind of getting to where we wanted to be, uh, but didn't quite get it done. But like you said, I think a sign of things to come. Because, again, it was moving yeah. the right direction, getting closer yeah. and closer and closer, but just missed it. And it was funny. You said overthrow Jared Cook. And I'm like, man, it's not easy to overthrow Jared Cook. That dude's a beast. <laughs> I mean, we see him in the NFL. He's still doing it on Sundays. Um, I, I want to go back, by the way, again, to, I guess, fall camp, whatever. Uh, maybe really, I guess it was spring. I, whenever it happened. But a young, fiery freshman named Steven Garcia steps on campus, which obviously, again, through another dynamic – uh, in the quarterback room, and yet just another quarterback to compete with. I'm sure you loved that. Um, talk about, again, we all know, like, Garcia's history at South Carolina. Again, had him on the show multiple times. He's a friend of the show, friend of mine. His history at Carolina is well-documented, and, and it, there's a reason the legend of Garcia lives on at USC. Yeah. And I'm sure it was funny for you watching it after you left, like watching him do what he did, go to the yeah. SEC championship. And, like, it was really cool, too, but, like, the like what was he like as a true freshman like I I know like he was like a loose cannon and he he matured as the years went on but he's still like to this day the thing I love about Steven Garcia he just is who he is like you have to respect it you know what I mean like that dude is true to himself to a T and if you don't like it he doesn't give a damn like what, what was that like again you're competing with him for the job but I'm sure like in a sense you're kind of mentoring this guy like helping him out like hey this is this is what you got to do to play quarterback in the SEC. This is how you got to be on the field, off the field, especially off the field. 
I mean, like, what was that like getting to uh, building that relationship with him and battling with him for reps, if you will? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I love Steven and, and we still keep in touch with like random text messages and stuff like that. Um, and uh, but yeah, coming in, man, he, he he sort of came in wild, you know, wild and carefree and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, the long hair, the beard, uh, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he is he is definitely, uh, you know, a one of a kind kind of guy. And, um, and I, I, I agree with all the stuff you kind of said about him. It's like, it's, he is who he is, you know? Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I can, I can definitely like, you know, sort of remember trying to like talk to him about like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, you know, he's got all, he's got great talent, all this kind of stuff. And he would just like do the dumbest stuff. Like he'd have an awesome practice and then he'd like show up late to meetings the next day or something yeah. and just like try to find ways to get in the doghouse all the time. Uh, it was almost like it, it's just that's what got him excited about things or something. Um, and um, and uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, that that number five uh, with with just his style of play and, and the character that he is and his, his look and his moxie, um, man, he, he definitely carved out a, a pretty awesome space for himself uh, as a as a game cop. Now, you talked about you torched Mississippi schools, and that certainly was no exception there. 2008 at Ole Miss. You went 22 of 32, 327 yards, three touchdowns. I remember specifically, uh, Chris, that was the Jason Barnes game. Jason had a big day. I think he had two touchdown catches, I think it was. Two or three, man. Yeah, two, I think. Um, I think Jared Cook had the other one. Either way, he had a big game. You had a big game. Just just talk about that day because that was a big win going on the road in Oxford. I want to say that was maybe the first win over Ole Miss, like at their or something. I, I don't. I think we hadn't beaten Ole Miss in quite a while. And uh, but again, to go on the road, SEC West opponent again. I was thinking to myself, maybe because you're an Alabama guy, you like playing against those SEC West teams. I don't know, but uh, yeah. you go on the road, ball out. Obviously, that was a big win, especially at that point in the season, if I remember correctly. Yeah, just just talk about that game. And again, what was the connection with Jason Barnes? I mean, I, that dude had a heck of a game that day. Yeah, he did. And I, I can remember I, I threw a, a post route over the middle uh, into the back of the end zone and about got him knocked out on one of those. Yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, going into that game, um, you know, that was a cool game. That was actually the, the week before that, Ole Miss had just beat uh, Florida. Oh, Florida that's right, the Tebow game. One, and that was, the, that was the Tebow speech game yeah. um, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's kind of a, a cool little thing there, too. So kind of going into that game, and they were, you know, I, I probably feeling very confident. Um, and, and yeah, so it was, you know, one of those games where that, that was one of my better games. And uh, the guys made plays. I mean, they, the catch that Jason Barnes had, I think Deion LaCorn might have scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Had Jared Cook uh, caught about a 75-yard pass and, and almost took it uh, to the end zone. Um, <clears throat> so, again, it was like it was like kind of how we've hinted at a little bit. It was like there was – these opportunities throughout these, these couple of years where we, it almost felt like we were getting ready to turn the corner, uh, but it wasn't quite happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and kind of as things continue to progress, next thing you know, you know, <clears throat> a couple of years later, obviously the, the, the big South Carolina uh, win versus Alabama, going to mm-hmm. SEC championship, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think we were, we were sort of laying the groundwork there in a lot of ways oh, yeah. of like really being able to compete with some, with some really good teams. Um, and you know, we weren't maybe as consistent, uh, as, as you would have wanted to be obviously. Um, but, but sort of, sort of making progress, um, along the ways there in those, those first couple of years with coach Spurrier. Now I want to move into that home game against Arkansas, Chris, because that one specifically, I remember vividly, I was there, uh, in person 
And you know what's so funny about that one, too? Something that jumps out. I'm sure you remember. That was the Michael Phelps weekend um, that he got in all that trouble in five points. Uh, he, he, I, remember, I remember they introduced him at halftime, and that was like two days later. It's a picture of Phelps doing some inappropriate things. Whatever. That was just like a funny side note of that weekend. But specifically another, – another- Another funny side note of that thing, we were we actually um I think it might have been like right before the right before the game or maybe like the after the game. We were we actually there were some guys hanging out with Michael Phelps and uh one of my buddies, Hutch Eckerson, mm-hmm. they were getting ready to jump in a car and like drive somewhere. And uh and Hutch was getting in the front seat of the car and or he opened the door. Michael Phelps tried to get in the front seat. And Hutch said, no, nah, buddy, you can get in the back. And uh, it told Michael Phelps he had to sit in the back of the car. Uh, I don't even think Hutch knew who Michael Phelps was at the time. He, he wasn't quite as, as popular or as well-known or whatever at that exact moment. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'll never forget that Hutch saying, no, nah, man, you can sit in the back of the car. <laughs> Very good. Put him in his place. You're in Columbia now. Um, That's right. No, so that game specifically, though, I was there in person, and you and Steven Garcia literally switched out every single play and I know that was something Spurrier did at Florida in the 90s and Spurrier can do whatever he wants we understand that but like I've talked to Garcia about that and and his feelings on it and I remember he told me that he literally told coach Spurrier you ever do that again I'm transferring (laughs) so I'd love to hear like your thoughts because again we talked about just going drive to drive and how that can mess with the quarterback psyche like dude we're talking play to play I mean that had to be like the craziest experience for you, like playing in a game. Now, yeah, that that one was even worse because <laughs> now you're thinking when you go in there, I got to try to make something happen. <laughs> this play, yeah. like, like you know, just handing the ball off and running the ball for four <clears throat> yards. I think that's not going to impress nobody. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to, what I need to do, like audible the play and like try to you know try to hit a deep <laughs> pass or something. Um, yeah, that that game that game was wild, and I I don't I don't even hardly remember. I don't think we discussed doing that going up. I was going to ask, did y'all talk about that in pregame? Was that something? I don't, that, yeah, I, it, like looking back, it, it doesn't stand out that we like we never. I know we didn't practice that in practice, right. uh, rotating like that. Um, but I don't think we even discussed it in pregame. It, it was literally you know, some little trick that, that Steve had up his sleeve or something that he was getting ready to, to surprise us with um because definitely did not have any knowledge like going into that game that that was about to happen uh but man steven over there on the sideline like what the heck is going on <laughs> this is ridiculous um and uh but we won the game right uh yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say that you can't say anything to coach Spurrier because yeah. we won the game so the more, the more as you as you're as you're talking about all this stuff like i'm, I'm able to remember everything right. um yeah jared, so we, we jared cook that. had the long touchdown he, he took that uh that crossing pattern all the way up for that that long yeah. I, that was one that stands out that that memory from that game. He had yeah, a we, really great game. game. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I like I wonder if that's happened in college football since that game. Like I I don't know if it ever has or not. I mean, because you just you just don't see that um, really going on. But yeah, I mean, every every day I can play as well. For sure. Now, you being an Alabama guy, Chris, I do want to get your take on the Carolina-Clemson rivalry as a whole because, again, you played in that game a few times. In 2006, you were part of that team that beat them up there. I know you were injured, but obviously the Gamecocks winning that game uh, in Death Valley. J- just talk about how quickly you learned about the rivalry when you got on campus. Again, I'm sure it was something that you weren't necessarily familiar with, just how bitter it was. Um, and then you get on yeah. campus, and I'm sure it clicked very quickly. But j- just talk about that and your experiences playing in the, uh, the Carolina-Clemson rivalry. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I, I think that rivalry is up there with any of them. And, uh, you know, the fan bases on both sides are, are super passionate. You know, that was kind of before Clemson sort of went on their run and, and right. became 
Clemson of right where they are right now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was always a huge game. And uh, especially for those, those South Carolina guys that, that were, you know, from the area and all that kind of stuff. I, I know it sort of had a different feel for them too. Um, but yeah, playing in those games was, was, was awesome. Uh, unfortunately, like, like looking back, I think the worst game I ever played in was, was my, the second game I played versus uh, Clemson uh, at Clemson and, and, and had a bad game. Like at the end of the game, golly, it was like tearing me up, man. Like I, I just felt like I let the whole state down or something uh, or less, at least the South Carolina side of people down. Um, but uh you know that that was was definitely a game that I know tons of guys had sort of circled on the uh, circled on the on the schedule and, and obviously the fans uh, have that have that game circled. But yeah, it's, it's it's just as big as 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 any of these major college football rivalries, no doubt. As big as Auburn, Alabama, is 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 it that big? You think? I mean, I I put it up there with it. I mean, it's it's I mean, it's, up, it's up there with it. I, I guess it's just sort of like what are the implications of the right, game every time right. you know, maybe, maybe the difference, uh, at least kind of recently, but I mean, it's, it's definitely as old and it's definitely as, as historic and it's got just as much meaning to the, to the fans and the people in the area, no doubt. Yeah. I'm just curious you being a Bama guy being right there. I, I know you're right in the middle of that thing. Um, and yeah, I was going to say, <clears throat> I was at that 2008 Clemson game. That, that was a miserable day for us all. I'll never forget. It was, it was misting like a like right. rain. It was like 37 degrees, you know, wind it just, yeah. That was a brutal day. But uh, I, I want to get your take, Chris, on this, because I know Gamecock fans are interested to find out in this. You guys play Iowa in, in the bowl game, and they were a really tough team. And It's so funny. Uh, I have Alex McGrath on my show a lot during uh, football season. Alex, obviously, t- former teammate of yours, and he was talking a little bit about some funny bowl stories and talking about that when how you guys went to Bush Gardens and were using the, uh, the food money for beers instead of food. And he was like, that probably says a lot of why they smacked us. Um, the way that the way that they did, you know, so um, but that game, you know, you play in that game, you throw a touchdown pass that, you know, the game doesn't go your way, whatever. Steve Spurrier's continuing to build. And we signed, kind of saw that again in 09 and 10 and, and the rest is history. But you played for Alabama baseball. You decided to transfer, go to Alabama to uh, 2000, what, 2009 and 10. You played for Alabama baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Just talk about the decision, um, the decision to transfer because I'm sure it took a wear and tear on you in the sense of like, you're probably thinking yourself, I'm going to have to come back again in 2009 and again fight for the starting job. And it's like, you're going to be a junior at that point. Um, And obviously, again, you were a standout baseball player and you had that opportunity to go play for Alabama baseball. Just what went in the decision? Why did you make the decision to transfer to Alabama and pursue your baseball career? Yeah. So after the, after the Iowa game, you know, kind of going back home and being with my family and stuff like that. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of brought up as a discussion. Um, and like at the time, like it was never something I ever thought about doing, honestly, like it, it was, it was sort of brought up in a, in a family dinner or something. And, um, and, and I immediately kind of brushed it off. Um, you know, like I, uh, my time at South Carolina was awesome. I had great friends. Um, my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, w- was there with me. And, um, and it was like, you know, the football kind of has its ups and downs, but that's not what it's all about. You know, it's right. not the only thing that's going on there. So it's like, um, you know, I had so many positive things to, to do. And then kind of through some other more conversations kept having with, with, with families kind of just, I don't know, just sort of led to that. Um, and, um, and, and definitely there were, there were times, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's all, you know, it's, it's all uh, history. I think the Lord kind of works in mysterious ways. Like I'm now coaching high school football 
uh, and have been for nine years. And, um, and, you know, at the, at the time, you know, if I, if I stay there, like, am I doing what I'm doing now? You know, it's like kind of one of those things, like, uh, you know, it all works out in the end. Um, but, but there have definitely been times because I, I, I felt like I didn't really get to sort of finish my, my, my time at South Carolina. I mean, obviously I didn't, but didn't sort of like get to really close the, close the page there. Um, you know, whether I was the, the starting quarterback moving forward or if I was the backup quarterback, um, you know, I've, I've definitely had those moments where I'm, where I've thought like, golly, I really wish I just would have like kind of stayed like, you know, it was, there's so many great things going on. Um, and, uh, but you know, uh, you can't, you can't change, uh, history and things happen how they do. And, um, and, and I am where I am today. And, uh, and really I look back at all my, my time at South Carolina, uh and man it was it was an awesome experience my wife and I talk about it, it was like the best best three years of our life um and 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 really neat and uh and so I uh, really enjoyed the time yeah I definitely want to hear about your experiences though as an SEC baseball player because if there's one thing that's almost as hard as being an SEC quarterback it's being an SEC baseball player seeing the arms that you see on a daily basis weekend after weekend I mean, it's the best conference in the country and baseball as well um, talk about the adjustment for you. Cause I'm imagining while you were at Carolina, I mean, it's not like you were taking hacks or take, doing reps and, I, and I, I'm a baseball guy. So I'm really just curious to hear like, how tough was it to make the adjustment? Again, you probably haven't picked up a bat in three years. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I was probably even a better baseball player than I was a football player. Really? Okay. Um, and, uh, like in high school and all that. Uh, but it, like I said earlier, like it was just the draw of SEC football was, was really tough to right, turn right. down. And, um, and so once I made that decision, like getting back into it was, was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I was a catcher. So I went and, and started catching. Um, and, and when I, when I first, when it first happened, I, I thought I was going to get a an immediate transfer and be eligible to play right away. Don't know if I really would have that much. Um, but I had to sit out my a year and then I got to play a year. Um, and then, uh, so it definitely took some time to, to kind of adjust back to it, especially like you said, SEC baseball and those type of pitchers you're going to see on a regular basis. Um, but going into, man, going into fall, uh, I guess fall ball and then heading into the spring of the year that one year I was going to get to play, mm-hmm. man, I had like, I was lighting it up. I was, I was the starting catcher. I was you know, hitting home runs and in our inner squad scrimmages and all kinds of stuff. And, um, and so I, I started for, for, part of the year kind of had some some uh some back to the South Carolina times I started for part of the year as a catcher and then kind of went back and forth um but I, I tell you what one of the coolest moments um if I look back at all my college career mm-hmm. uh one of the coolest moments was so Alabama we go back to Columbia I was going to ask you play, about that yeah we're playing South Carolina um and it was neat so like we had the guy that came and like checked our rooms and stuff and so I like just asked him, I was like, look, man, I was like, I got all my buddies that are, that are, that are here. Do you like, I, I'm, I'm going to skip curfew tonight. <laughs> and, uh, and just went and got to hang out with a bunch of dudes as I actually went back to my, to uh, the guys that I was living with. And mm. we had a big fire, a bonfire and a big hangout. Mm. Uh, but then in the, in the Sunday game, um, I came in, I wasn't starting at the time. And I came in and got a pinch hit like in like the eighth inning or something like that. Um, and, and I was really wondering like what the response was going to be, you know, I, I didn't know. And, uh, and sure enough, I mean, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. Like I got a daggum standing ovation from the South Carolina fans that were at the game. Um, and it was, it was an honor, like just to, to, to have that happen. You know, I wasn't quite sure what the response was going to be with me transferring and all that kind of stuff. 
but definitely one of the coolest uh, moments that I ever had as a college athlete. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I remember vividly spring of 2010. Again, this is before SEC Network and all the games were streamed, especially for baseball. I remember listening to that game on the radio um, because I think all South Carolina fans knew, hey, Chris Smelly's on the roster. He might play. And, like, everybody was just curious to, like, yeah. see what would happen. I remember hearing, like, on the radio, you know, former Gamecocks quarterback Chris Smelly at the plate. And it just – it was crazy. It was – I was going to ask you, was it, like, how cool and weird was it, I guess, like, being back in town? It's just like – here we are. We're back. I mean, it's just like, yeah. it's crazy. And, I, you know, the standing O, I mean, awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So I'm curious to get your take, obviously, Chris. You go back to Tuscaloosa. You're living in Tuscaloosa now, coaching high school ball. Uh, what's the experience been like for you coaching? I guess you jumped right into it after your playing days or like what the, uh, you know, when did you know you wanted to be a coach? Obviously, it sounds like you wanted to stick around sports, if nothing else. But when did like coaching kind of start for you? And obviously, you're still doing it right now. Are you give us some insight. Are you a head coach, quarterbacks coach? Like, yeah. what are you doing specifically for? down there in Alabama. Yeah, um, so after I graduated, uh, finished up at Alabama, I did a medical sales job for a year um, and then ended up uh, getting a call from my old high school from the principal about teaching and coaching. Um, and so I coached at a few schools in, in, around Tuscaloosa, but I've now been the head coach at uh, American Christian where I went to school uh, for the past seven years. And, um, and man, we've, we've really grown. The school's grown. We were, we were a small 1A school when, uh, when I was here. And now we're, we're a 4A school uh, in Alabama, so kind of middle of the pack size. And, uh, and have had some really good teams. Um, the last four years, we've, uh, we've made it to the third round of the playoffs for three years. And then this, this year, we got beat in the fourth round of the playoffs. Had a state championship quality team and some really good players. Um, and so I didn't know that I wanted to get into coaching. Um, and, uh, and it just sort of happened and, and now it's definitely what I, what I'm planning on doing the rest of my life. That's awesome stuff. Chris, a couple of things before I let you go, obviously you've been gracious with your time. This has been a fantastic conversation. Funniest Spurrier story. I mean, there has to be one that sticks out from your time. I mean, you had so many run-ins with this dude. Like, yeah. I can't even, I, I just like, again, I think back on your career and it really feels like to me that like, you know. Most, especially today in the, today's game, most teams know going into every game, like, hey, this is our starter. You, you know. I think back then, I'm like, did they even know? Like, did anybody know who was playing? Like, because it, it's so crazy to look back at the games. And like I said, I almost remember a different quarterback for every game, much less yeah. every season. Like, every game was a different guy. I mean, yeah. that, I, I just can't imagine the, the day-to-day with this dude. I can't even fathom it. Yeah, I mean, there were so many like one-liners and, and different things, um, you know, uh, and then just just kind of his, I, like I swear, like you know, he I don't I don't remember how old he was at the time, but like he like you know if, if he did something at practice that he didn't like, like he's gonna he's gonna keep you after practice and he's gonna like get a football and he's gonna like go in slow motion and I you know it's like he still thought he was like he had it man he, he was the Heisman he winner he's still the Heisman winner yeah just look perfect and this is exactly how it should look and all of us quarterbacks are sitting there like rolling our eyes looking at him like we're like oh my gosh like um and um but um but man it, it uh he was he was very very unique um but but like we said like man just just a legendary coach and uh to be able to have played quarterback under Steve Spurrier you know, I'm sure so, he got you in the film room more more often than once for sure. I mean, I, that's that's the thing I've heard from guys is that he was just hell in the film room. I mean, he would oh he'd make you God. feel about that big. Just like, what were you doing here? And and, oh. and Perry Perry Orth, I don't know if you ever had gotten to chat with him. I know he played way after you, but uh, he told me one of his favorite lines was, "Well, it's my fault. We're the ones that recruited you. We're the ones that are playing you all, all, all the time." <laughs> 
<laughs> like, wow. You, you know, I, I get like the, man, the, the one thing you're supposed to be was smart. And you just did that. One thing you're supposed to be was smart. Uh, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of things. But yeah, the, the, hey, it's, it's not your fault. It's my fault. We're the ones that recruited you. Uh, you know, you get all those kind of things. Um, and, uh, and no doubt. And, uh, and again, it's, it was, it was stuff that, man, he was just so competitive. He was so competitive mm-hmm. and like, you know, just so locked in and, and wanted to win every game. Um, and, uh, but it definitely created some, uh, some, some funny moments. For sure. Well, Chris, before I let you go, last thing really quick, when you look back on your South Carolina career specifically, favorite memories, or is there one memory specifically that stands out from your time at Columbia, whether it be on field, off field, with your teammates, whatever it might be? Oh, man, just just the entirety of it. I mean, honestly, just just friends and um, and times, man, I can, I can remember going with guys and, and doing and going hunting and, and doing all kinds of stuff, just, but just really created a, uh, a bond with a lot of guys. And honestly, one of the coolest memories that I have from South Carolina too is is taking trips back and forth and driving home. And uh, and man, old, old Darian Stewart used to ride with me back and forth because he was from Huntsville, and, and we'd meet his family in Birmingham, and I'd drop him off, uh, and just kind of times and conversations I'd have with him. Um, uh, uh, Captain Munderland, another Alabama guy that that you know I still still keep in touch with, and um, and uh, so you look back and it, and really it's those relationships that stick out. Uh, obviously some of the big games were neat uh, and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I mean, overall, when I, when I think back at my, my time in South Carolina, man, just one of the, one of the coolest and, and best times of my life for sure. For sure. Well, Chris, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Like I said, I, I speak for all Gamecock nation when I say while, while your career had its ups and downs, um, it, very interesting, very fun to watch. Oh, last thing I almost forgot to ask this. I have to get your take <laughs> on this. The, the our cocks are smelly t-shirts how funny how funny was that i mean that that was like that that was a thing that that was a thing our cocks are smelly like and obviously you didn't see a dime from it which we could argue that the ncaa whatever but like yes. that had to give you a good laugh i mean oh it was it was amazing it was amazing <laughs> and uh and like all my my co- my assistant coaches and stuff like even like my my, my players right. uh like throughout the years they've like looked that stuff up and they're like oh, oh my gosh, gosh like freaking out about it. <laughs> Uh, but it, it was it was it was really just cool, man. Like you know, just to to have to have something like that even happen. Um, obviously, a play on my last name, which I've been dealing with since I was in kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, you know, all that kind of stuff was cool. I mean, I can, you know, that just made me think. Like I can remember, uh, I guess maybe my second year or something. My my girlfriend and I, my wife now, so can really look back on it positively. Uh, you know, like walking through like the the campus store and like seeing number seven jerseys for sale. Like yeah. you know, like my going into my sophomore year, or whatever. Like like all that kind of stuff, man. Like just so cool, so neat. And um, but yeah, I, I've I've actually tried really hard to find one of those shirts. Uh, so if you got any listeners that that uh, want to send you one, you want to get back yeah. in touch with me. I've yeah. always wanted I've always wanted one of those shirts. Uh, because I was I was told they like sold out or something, and uh, I saw one on eBay one time, but I missed it. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll find one. I, I have to believe there's some floating around Columbia. We'll we'll be able Somebody to get one. one. sitting in the bottom of their shirt drawer. Yeah. always one of those shirts, dude. It's a must. <laughs> we got to get one to you, Chris. Appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been a pleasure. Obviously, again, appreciate what you did for Carolina, and obviously, glad to hear you're doing well now. But uh, let's definitely do it again soon, my friend. Appreciate it. No doubt, no doubt. All right, man. Good talk. For sure. He's Chris Smelly. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.